you guys uh, did a great job. You look, look as beautiful as you sounded, and I know the Lord was honored by that. Thank you so much. We cry holy, holy, holy is the Lamb, and we will cry holy, holy, holy. Amen. Acts chapter 6, we're going to be looking at today, we're going to study together uh, deacons and what deacons look like in the New Testament. And uh, I think they ought to look as close to it today as they did then, don't you? I mean, doesn't that make sense? We're supposed to follow uh, the pattern that God gave us in Scripture. It just makes sense that we'd want to get as close to that as we could here at our church. And that's what we've been doing. And so, for the past uh, several months, we have uh, come together as a uh, group of six men who were chosen by the deacons to meet called the Charter Research Team. And last night... Uh, rather, excuse me, um, two nights ago, Friday night was, was our last meeting, uh, th- unless we have to call kind of a, a special one to answer some questions, but we were able to, uh, to finish our bylaws and uh, as far as what we were able to put together for the deacons, and yesterday we had a deacons meeting and I was able to give the deacons uh, a copy of our bylaws, a copy of our uh, membership covenant, and also uh, a copy of, uh, what's the last thing? Membership covenant, bylaws, statement of faith. Thank you, statement of faith. That's right. And so gave them all of that, and they have, they're now taking it, reading it, studying it for themselves, and looking at the, the work that's been done over the past five or six months. And then we'll have an opportunity um, to put all this together for you, Lord willing, here in just a couple of weeks, and give it to everybody in our church family. Although you have been able to go online, which is a great, great resource, gospelite.org, and... Uh, when you go to that home page, you just click on weekly resources. It's just that easy. Weekly resources should take you. If it doesn't, just call and ask, and we'll, we'll figure it out. It should be this easy. Weekly resources goes right to the previous week's message and everything that we have provided for you, the music, the, uh, the, the worship guide, and any downloads that you may need. Like, for instance, tomorrow there'll be something for you to download about deacons. And last week, we had something for you to download and look at about elders. And just so you can, for yourself, kind of see compiled a, a number of paragraphs and sections that explain in detail uh, some of the things that we've been talking about in the message. And so, prayerfully, you've been doing that, all right? That's kind of a little short, two-minute, a brief excerpt of where we are and what we've been doing and kind of coming almost, in some ways, to, to a conclusion over the next few weeks. But today, we're going to look at the subject of deacons. And I I don't know about you, but I think this is a great thing that we're doing. I want our church to be like it's supposed to be according to the Bible. Amen. I do. I desire that. I really do as, as a pastor here at Gospel Light. And I want to most effectively organize our church. And really, that's what this is. It's just organizing our church, not over-organizing, not getting uh, you know, nitpicky and, and detailed, but organizing our church around the mission. Because you know what happens? I sense that that happens in churches like ours, this church and other churches. Is sometimes, well, we go along for about 20 years, and we get far away from the mission. We get so, and it happens without us even realizing it, because we, we've not really taken the time to, to do what we've been doing to bring us back to Fulfilling the mission for which God has given us to do. And so, as we've been talking about church leadership, we discussed last week that there are two primary leadership positions in the church. All right, last week we talked about what? 
elders. Wow, man, good. You guys are listening. All right. We talked about elders, all right? This week, we're going to talk about deacons. And so those are the two primary leadership roles in the church, elders and deacons. And these two terms are used in a variety of different ways uh, in different circles, uh, different, maybe different denominations, different circles. But ultimately, it's elders, sometimes referred to as pastors, right? We talked about the fact that all, all, also in Scripture, uh, an elder could be called a bishop or even an overseer. And really, in different circles and denominations, you might actually hear uh, this, this uh, office, this leadership position called bishop or, 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 or elder or, uh, or pastor, as we call it here. And then, uh, secondly, there is the, the term deacon, all right? And deacon responsibilities also vary from church to church. They really do. And they look different in different churches. But we want to look at Scripture and find out what are a deacon's responsibilities and what are his qualifications and, and how, what is their leadership role in the church. What is it clearly defined? We had a deacon's meeting last night. And uh, I think the deacons are really, uh, the deacons that we have now are very excited. They, they, I actually had one come up to me this morning, just overwhelmed with what God has been doing in his heart. He says, man, preacher, it is just so amazing to think uh, about how, you know, how serious and, and huge this responsibility is. He goes, I, you know, he had been a deacon for a long time, years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and said he never really uh, understood what it was to be a deacon. Now he's excited to be understanding that and grateful for the direction that our church is taking. So we're going to take an honest look at Scripture. Kind of sounds like an, an honest look at Scripture, Amen. <laughs> Like I would say, we're going to take a dishonest look at Scripture. But we are going to take an honest look at Scripture because sometimes we, we can tend to avoid subjects when we're comfortable with where we're at, you know. Uh, you know we don't want sometimes to, to see or hear what we need to hear, but we've been doing that, and it's been so helpful for us discovering, when it comes to biblical leadership, governance of the church, what is the true role of those two positions, all right? So... Last week, we said elders are servant leaders in the church. That's, that's, the, that's probably the greatest way to define an elder would just be their servant leaders in the church. They're here to serve. We're serving uh, leaders in, in the church. We're serving you. We're serving our community. We're serving uh, the people that are sitting in this audience today. That's what I'm doing. I'm serving you. That's, that's why I've taken all the time to prepare the message, to prepare the service here, the worship, every intricate detail of the service can I tell you the definition of it all? Serving you. We want you to leave here having been served by the leadership, by the, the worship leadership, by those that have prepared and studied to, to make sure that when you leave this place, you feel as if you've been loved and you've been, you've been well fed. Amen. These are things that are so important. And so elders are servant leaders in the church. Deacons are leading servants in the church. It just doesn't get any better in the Bible than a deacon who serves in the church. He sets an example to the congregation in leading and serving. So it's pretty exciting. So look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. All right, let's read a few verses here. Awesome, awesome story. This actually happened Let's look at it. It even happens today. Here it is. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. So you've got one sect of people called the Grecians. You've got another uh, here called the Hebrews, the Jews. What's happened here is uh, the Greeks were not being very well taken care of. Nothing like the Hebrews were. So the Grecians are a little bit disgusted. They're a little bit upset, right? There's a little dissension in the church because one 
group of widows is not being taken care of like another is. And so the widows were being, look at the last part of verse 1, they were being neglected in the daily ministration. And when the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And so you've got the apostles serving as elders here. They are saying, look, we are, uh, you know, we, we, we are deep in the word of God. We've got, we've got prayer we need to tend to. We've got the care of the church that we're busy with. And, uh, and so we, we, we don't want to leave those things to take care of this problem. So verse 3 says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. Let's, let's solve the problem by doing this. Let's get seven men. Let's get seven guys. And we want these, these, these folks to be of good report. Seven, verse 3, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So already we see the bar is being raised here. Whom we may appoint over this business. Let's get seven men in the church. Seven honest men. Seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Really good men. Men that are well respected in the church. And let's ask these seven men. Now they haven't been doing this, but this is going to be something we start doing right now. Right now. We're going to, we're going to change everything. Because we're, the elders are speaking here. We're, we, we just can't do it all. We can't do this and this and this and this and this and really prepare what you've seen today properly and, and preach the word of God thoroughly and, 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 and minister like we need to. So, so let's get seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, guys that got wisdom, and let's appoint them over this business. What business? Well, in this passage, it was the business of, 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 the, of the widows in the church who were being neglected. They weren't being taken care of and... I don't have time to go over this, but guys, God puts a premium on the widows and the fatherless. We'll see that in just a moment. A real high premium on those two components in the church. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves. Here's what we'll do. We're going to continue to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We'll look at that word ministry in just a moment. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Everybody thought, that's great. That's awesome. We love it. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Achanar, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they did what we did this morning. They laid hands on them. Nothing spooky, nothing crazy, just a, night, it's just a, a good thing to do. It's a, it's a good way to practice a prayer and anointing men for a special task. Amen. That's what we did this morning, if you're wondering, is that... Is that normal around gospelite to, to lay hands on someone? It needs to be a whole lot more normal. Really, it does. Okay, we did it Wednesday night. I had the privilege of taking some men over to one of our small groups and anointing uh, a precious lady with oil uh, as she faced serious cancer surgery. Verse 7. And the word of God increased. Aha! Look at what happened. Something came out of this incredible. Something, as the church began to get where it needed to be, as it got biblically in order, as it organized itself around a biblical plan, the word of God began to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. A great army multiplied. That just means an army of servants rose up, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Wow, what a passage of Scripture to lay this foundation on. So this gives us a picture would not you agree and see here, this gives us a picture of what deaconing is all about. 
Everything we need to know, really, can almost be found in, in these seven verses. Although the word deacon is mentioned over, in some fashion, uh, a, a meaning of the word deacon over a hundred times in the New Testament. There's three different meanings to the word deacon in the original language, in the Greek language, but it translates the majority of the time specifically meaning this, serving in specific areas, okay? So let's just boil it down to that. The translation of, of, of the word deacon, diaconate, that word is serving, but not just serving, serving in a specific area, and let's go a step further. In, in the Greek, a step further in a specific area, mainly dealing with the physical needs of the church. Not so much necessarily the physical needs of the people, but the physical needs of the church, the the ministry needs of the church. And so in Acts chapter 6, we read verses 1 through 7, but I want to go back and show you three times that it's used here in the first four verses. Notice, first of all, it's used where it says, their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. That word ministration means service. What kind of service was it here? Service of food. We got to serve the tables. The the ladies are needing food. They're needing their proper diets. And we got to serve these ladies. The church has got to rise up and meet these needs. And so they were neglected in the daily serving of tables, serving of food. Look at verse 2. So the 12 called the multitude and it is not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve. That word serve there is, is again, speaking about uh, the, the, the word deacon, the job of a deacon. And then in verse number four, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. There's that word again, ministry, and the word is always service, meaning this, serving is what leaders do. That's what leaders do. Leaders aren't dictators that just give jobs out and sit in their plush offices and drink coffee all day. No, elders' primary responsibility, serve. Deacons' primary responsibility, serve. Members' primary responsibility, to take from everybody else and to sit in the church and just be served. No, members serve. That is the primary responsibility of everybody in this room. It's just that the elders and the deacons, we raise the bar. We lead the, in that area. And so it's exciting to understand this, isn't it? It's just so awesome. So what separates deacons? What, what separates them? What sets them apart in the area of service? All right, three responsibilities of deacons. Number one, deacons meet needs. They meet needs according to the word. Certain physical needs. Again, in Acts chapter 6, the widows. That was a, a physical need in the church. That was going to take some effort, some coordinating. Uh, hey, uh, this is, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just use Kim. This is Kim Moore here. Uh, we are needing to take care of uh, Fran Ardowingo, if we could please. She's needing, a, she has a special diet and she can't get out. Uh, so I was calling you, uh, Jerome, to see if you would please help us uh, on Monday night. Would you and your family be willing to bring a meal over? Amen. You say, well, well, well but, but Kim's busy. He's got a full-time job. Yes, but he loves his church, and he loves the Lord, and he's, he's making time to be a deacon. And so he, he knows it's going to take time. He knows that's a great responsibility. He knows it's, it's huge. And again, I'm just using men so it can become real to us sitting here today. 
And so this was the responsibility in Acts chapter 6. And we have a picture here of deacons. Here's the picture. They're rising up, seven men, rising up to meet specific needs as they come up. Because you know what? Sometimes things come up all of a sudden, don't they? You didn't expect it. And all of a sudden, there's somebody who's hurting, somebody, some situation on the property that needs attending to. Uh, a, a big day where we need not just five ushers, but we need 20 ushers. Maybe we need uh, a parking lot crew of, of 15 or 20 men who are willing to, to man that parking lot and help people uh, you know, find their way. That takes organization. That takes a leader leading servants. Here, the widow's... Are in need, but listen. Look at James one twenty seven on your on your uh, sheet there. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this: pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Do you see how God places a, a premium on the fatherless and the widows? Amen. And we at Gospelite, we do have ministries where we are concerned about children who are living in some kind of an orphan-type atmosphere. Maybe they're fatherless. Maybe they're living in, in, a, in, a, in a situation where the, the home is, is not together. Maybe they're, they're living in a shelter. Maybe they're living on the street. Maybe they don't have any godly leadership in their homes. Really, that's the majority of those 120 would be those types of situations. Not all of them, but a lot of them that come in on the buses. And then there's other ministries in town that we're trying to serve and help and come alongside women who have been abused and have children and they don't have any place to stay. You say in Hot Springs, Arkansas, dozens of times over in Hot Springs, Arkansas, dozens of times over. You'd be shocked. Uh, I sat in court this week and was amazed as Judge Ohm resided over court and I could not believe. I'm thinking, I live in this city where this stuff is going on. I'm in my ivory palace with my air condition stuck at 72, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, coffee exactly like I like it with a lovely wife and five beautiful children and a great church, I need to get out of my ivory palace. I need to get out of the pews of the church, get into the community and help the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That's what we're trying to get to. It's not something we can, you know, I mean, we can do it tomorrow individually, but as a church, we're trying to position ourselves where this just happens. It just happens because we're doing it the right way. So deacons are meeting needs according to the word. What are we doing right now? Well... I'll tell you what we're doing right now. Yesterday, Nathan Day, a deacon in the church, led his small group to go to Fran Arduengo's house. Fran, do you think you could have done that by yourself? Absolutely not. It was probably overwhelming. It was probably sometimes scary to look in your backyard, you know. But here's what happened. So these men got together. And if you'll notice, there's, you can't really see it maybe as well as you'd like to. But Fran is sitting there. She's the young one, the young one there. And Fran has all these people around her. You see Kim Moore. You see Nathan Day. You see Jim Porter. You see others that are there. And then you see some folks in their, in their small group. You see their boys cutting trees down, moving trees. You say, this happened yesterday? Yes, led by a deacon. Led by a deacon. Going to the next one, just one more. There's a, look at Jim Porter, man. What are you doing, Jim? Shampooing your hair. All right, I thought thought that may have been what it was. So you're having a little fun along the way, right? Okay, and Jim's children, and there's Debbie, his wife, and others. It's just awesome to see what God did yesterday at at Fran's house, and I'm sure it looks much better. You didn't know where you were this morning. She said she woke up and thought, is this really my house? Is that my backyard? Who came here? 
Wow. Was I can tell you what Fran just said. She said two years ago yesterday, the day they came over, and that wasn't planned. That, that wasn't planned that way. But two years ago yesterday is when, when her husband was taken to the hospital and passed away. So on the two-year eve of his home going, the church shows up and did what Al used to do. Are you with me, church? Then you say, well, well, rats. Well, I, I guess I didn't get in on the one widow in the church that needs help. You missed it. <laughs> you missed it. No, no, there are dozens of needs in this church, dozens of needs that are, that are needing to be met. And, and we need deacons to deacon. And so this is a new, you, you, believe it or not, not so much a new concept, but it's a, it's, it's a new approach to defining what a deacon does. So that's an example of what we're doing. But what could we do? So much more. So much more. And our deacons agree. We're doing some, and we, and, and we applaud the some, but there's so much more. Things that would have to do with missions. Things that would have to do with uh, community uh, organizations that, that need some leadership. And, and it, it only can be done with the proper biblical method of, of serving as a deacon. So it's exciting. Number two, deacons support the ministry of the word. They meet needs according to the word. We talked about meeting needs. Now they support the ministry of the word. Well, how do they do that? How do they support the ministry of the word? By serving. The pastor or the elders can attend to the ministry of the word because they're serving. So guess what? The pastors now, the elders now, have more time to study the word, to pray, to visit the, 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 those that need visiting, to care for the congregation spiritually. Are you saying that? So what this does is elders and deacons aren't competing with one another. They're working together as leaders in the church. Working together. Ultimately, the deacons, yes, they are serving the elders. So we can make sure that we are not just spending all of our time working. You know what happens a lot of times in churches? Let me tell you something. Let me me be honest and transparent with you. It's happened here. It happens in a lot of places. Things get out of whack. And all of a sudden, we've got pastors that are doing what deacons should be doing. So guess what happens we got a lot of work. We look really good on the work side. We look really good. We're in the community. We're working. we got a bus ministry. We're doing all this work, 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 work. But we are so shallow in the word. I mean, hey, how do you preach a, a, a message that's got any depth to it with, when you get it off the internet for 30 minutes of quick study, copy the, or whatever. I'm just saying, whatever you do. And then sometimes we have churches where the emphasis is so much on theology and the word and and knowing the word and feeding the flock, but they don't do anything. They never get out in the community and get their hands dirty. So what do we need? Well, when this is working right, when deacons and elders are, 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 are leaders and doing what they should do, the work and the word balance out. You've got an active church that's really impacting its community, but you've got a membership that is growing in the Word. It's beautiful. It's God's plan. It's just God's plan. Deacons serve elders so they can lead. That's what they do. In the New Testament, deacons are not assigned to keep the pastor and the church in check. It's not what deacons are for. No, they're to serve the elders. And then deacon lead, they lead others so they can serve. There were thousands in the church at Jerusalem by this time. 
And so in Acts 6, they raised up seven men to be deacons, but they led others to help and serve. That's what they did. They led others. So these deacons, so here's what it's going to look like. Deacons, as they begin to get biblical here at Gospel Light, will then be calling the membership to serve. So then what happens is all of you begin to get phone calls and, 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 and you're asked, hey, we need you. We need you in this area. And you begin to pray and find out what your gifting is, where you would be most uh, uh, effective. And so I'm just kind of giving you an idea of how it could look. So deacons lead others so they can serve. We're all servants. But deacons are leaders of servants, are leading servants in the church. I can think of so many areas as we move forward that we'll need this help in. We'll talk to you more about that later. Number three, deacons unify the body around the word. They unify the body of Christ around the word. Now, why do I say unify? Well, what was there in Acts chapter 6? What do you sense happening here? Disunity. There was dissension. Uh, Well, let's just read it so we can make sure. I know we read it already, but... And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there was a what? A murmuring. Or whatever your version may say there, there was dissension. There was a murmuring. Something was going on, and it was a problem, and people were getting upset. And so what we're going to do is just hope it goes away, right? We're just going to hope it goes away. It'll work out. Or what we do is, pastor, take care of it. Uh, Well, I was... Need, really needing to spend some time on Sunday's message, but yeah, I'll, I'll figure that out later. I got, I got to go. I got to go do this. See, and so what happens is there was this issue, and the and the elders didn't want to leave the word. They didn't want to leave prayer. They didn't want to leave what God had called them to do. So they said, "Let's get seven men. Let's get seven men of honest report." And so there is some disunity in the church here. There's growing pains in a church. Amen. Growing pains. You say, man, that church has got some issues. That's probably a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing when the church is going through some things because it usually means they're stretching and growing. Amen. Changes are going on. And while changes are going on, sometimes there can be needs that are not being met or sometimes there can be murmuring. So guess what deacons do? They don't start fires. They put them out. They put fires out. Well, I just don't know if I like the fact that Brother Eric, blah, blah, blah. Man, listen, I just talked to Brother Eric this week, and you've got to know his heart. Can I help you with that? Can we, let's go talk to Pastor. Well, I, no, I just want to talk about him. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> you know, there's, there's opportunities for deacons to put fires out, to stop the dissension. No, 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 it's, it's not that way. You don't understand. Let me help you understand so awesome and they unify the church so a couple of things with that deacons must have a mission mindset some qualifications here a mission mindset they can't be small-minded they can't have their own agenda it's not about that it's not about what they want it's about what's best for the church it's about what the elders and the spiritual leaders of the church are are their vision and casting that vision and deacons are behind that vision why, what is the mission? The mission is there's a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. Amen? That's the mission. And we want to make sure that everything we do is to that end, that we can make disciples of all nations and see people come to Christ. And, 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 and may our church be a, that kind of a church where the work of evangelism can be done 
24-7 in a context, a biblical context where, in this case, leadership is leading right. There's always going to be valid concerns and complaints in a church. Always. Always. Maybe you've heard this before. You know, before I leave my church, I might want to stop and think that I'm going to another church that's got problems too. Amen. And so if you leave for problems, then you just, just mark it down. You're going to be leaving churches your entire life. So what happens is when we have complaints, when we have concerns, we have an opportunity with the right kind of leadership to squelch those complaints with humility. Church, listen to this. We don't need to argue with each other. Amen. I don't want to argue, and you don't need to argue. And this is not about arguing or getting our way. When we focus on our complaints, guess what happens? When we focus on what we don't like and what our complaints are, here's what the devil does. They're off the mission. I've got them thinking about themselves. I've got them worried about what they want. I've got them worried about their little preferences. They're fighting. They're arguing. They're gossiping. They're emailing. They're social networking. And guess what? People are going to hell. And the devil says, they're not killing each other, but they're just, there's tension. And I like that tension because, you know, it's really hard to be a witness for Christ when you've got hate in your heart for something or somebody, you know. And so how does that work out? It works out really simply by having the right kind of leadership in the church to go to and say, can I talk? I, I've got some issues. I've got some things I want to talk about. And, or, or maybe a deacon overhears a conversation that's kind of gone sideways or crooked. And, and that deacon says very kindly and with humility, you know, this is really probably not the right place to talk about this. Let, let's go talk to some of the leadership. And we can, get to, we can help with you. We can get to the bottom of this. Who wouldn't want to hear that in the church? I mean, who wouldn't love that? Who wouldn't say, really? You mean this is the kind of church where you can, yes, you can be heard and we can, we can help you understand either why we're doing it or we can hear maybe something we need to change. It's exciting. It just works. I know it's going to work. So a mission mindset. Number two, a Christ-like character. When we talk about deacons unifying the body around the word, they must have Christ-like character to do that. Now, what you're going to notice now as we go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, I know you marked it there, so we're kind of coming to the end. I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 for just a moment with me, and I want you to see several verses here because there is a list. Now, the list for elders in 1 Timothy 3 is 1 through 7. The list for deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is 8 through 13. So let's read that beginning in 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. And then they mention the wives. Their wives must be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. By the way, we've discussed that husband of one wife, uh, the position that we have taken in our new bylaws is that that means he's a one-woman man. There may be something in his past. We take things by individual, individual situations. There may be a man sitting here that 20, 25 years ago you had a divorce, but it's been 25 years you've been married to a godly lady. You've been a godly man. You've been serving this church. And in that situation, you may be well fit to be a deacon or an elder in our church. 
All that to say, we're relooking those things, and so these things now uh, can mean something a little more different to us as we study the Word of God deeper. And so it says in verse 13, for they, uh, they have used the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So there we see uh, the qualifications of a deacon. Now when you think about it, the list is not all that outstanding. To be honest with you, there are not things here that are not required of all of us in the church. Really? It's a list of things that everybody here could say, I, I need to be doing those things. But if you are in a leadership position... Okay? Then the bar is raised. All right, so let's ask some questions real quickly. Is this person honorable? When it says grave, we don't use that word anymore. It's an old English word that we would use. It means honorable. Does he, is he, does he serve with di- dignity? Is he honest? Is this person genuine? Just giving you, he's not double tongued. He's genuine. He's real. He's not a gossip. Okay, a deacon is not a gossip. He's not double tongued. He is this person self controlled. Says not given to much wine. That's not just speaking about addictions to alcohol, but addictions to anything. He's not addicted. He's not dependent on something and abuses that. In fact, in the ESV, it says not addicted, I believe. Is this person a sacrificial giver? He's not greedy, a filthy lucre, or dishonest gain. Is this person, uh, does he love the word of God? Verse number 9 speaks to that. Look at it. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. The mystery of the faith is the word of God. He loves the word of God. But notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say what the list of elders said about the word. It doesn't say he has to be able to teach the word. But it does say he has to love the word. So there's the difference between an elder and a deacon. The only difference that we can clearly see, really, is that here an elder has to be able to teach the Word. We talked about that last week. But, but the deacon has to love the Word of God. And by the way, he can be a good teacher of it as well. And is this person faithful? That's what it says in verse number 10. Let them first be proved. Make sure they're proved first. This is not for a novice. This is not for somebody new coming into the church, a new convert, or somebody who's had a recent issue or problem, or maybe a recent divorce, etc. No, this person has been proved. And this is what the scripture teaches. Next, this person is immorally pure. Verse 10 says he must be blameless. So is he morally pure? Things like in our day and age, we have to be very concerned about pornography, gentlemen. I mean, just that's that's not something that a deacon or an elder should be involved with at all in his life. Not speaking about something you've overcome years ago, something you've come through, a difficulty, something maybe you struggled with as a teenager. I'm not putting any age group on. I'm not putting a year. I'm just simply saying this is very important. If a man thinks in his heart, he's had adultery already if he thinks those lustful thoughts. So we've got to really look at this and, and really hold ourselves accountable. Now think about these character questions. These character qualities are there for a reason. God put them there for a reason. Now, are we saying that if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're not perfect, you can't be a deacon? Or, no, 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 you're not going to be perfect, but the, but the bar is raised. You see, what we want is we want you to be able to drop off your kids at a kid's ministry and there to be a deacon there who is a godly deacon giving glory to God with his life. Amen? You deserve that. You don't deserve somebody just shoved into a position who is not really 
going to lead your children in the way they need to go. These are all things that deacons will be doing. They'll be leading the kids' ministries. They'll be leading ministries in our church, men who are proven, men you can trust. How much more would our church grow if that component was there? Not that we can't trust who's there, but how much more would it be if deacons were leading servants in the church, qualified, not just placed there because we don't have anybody else? Not perfect, but as best as possible. Notice their wives are mentioned here. So wives, amen. Wives are very important. And there's no real clear teaching as to whether a woman uh, could not potentially be a a, a deacon or serve in a deacon position. We've not gone there yet, and we're not going to go there this morning. But I will say this, just because I'm not ready yet, personally. I've been too busy serving tables to go there. But anyway, the, the idea is that women are mentioned. Let's just take it there. If women are mentioned, that definitely means they play a vital role in, in, in being in a, in a deacon's family's life. Awesome. So they meet three things. Meet needs according to the word, support the ministry of the word, unify the church around the word. So as we close, let's admit it, church. Hey, that's not the responsibilities that a lot of deacons in many churches are playing out today. That's not my understanding of deacons until the last year. You know, it's not our deacons' understanding of deacons. Our deacons are saying, wow, well, I guess that changes everything, preacher. But if there are, if if these are their responsibilities, if they are really what the Bible says they are, then don't we want to get biblical with it? Wouldn't we want to get in line with what the scripture teaches? Deacons have a role, elders have a role, and with deacons in Acts chapter 6, the role is this, stepping it up. And when the deacons step it up, you know what we see? We see the church effectively reaching its community and the world. That's what we saw in verses uh, 7 and 6 and 7. Man, listen, the, the number of the disciples were multiplied. The church was growing. When leadership got right, the church was able to explode. So the picture is this. Can you see this morning in the next year, two years, Can you see developing an army of servants reaching the world for Christ? I can see that. I can see it. I can see it happening. I can see in the next six months to a year, and then even further than that, a couple of years as it it gets stronger, as 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 we begin to put these programs in place. Can't you see? Can somebody see it? Does anybody have eyes to see an army of servants reaching the world for Christ out of this place? impacting the community of Garland County along with other churches. Amen. We could see it happen, church. God make that real for us. God is working in our church. I know there's been changes. I know we're still trying now to talk about the changes and how we can better position ourselves. But I want to encourage you because I was encouraged. This person said that I could share this with anyone, so I'd take their names out, but I want to share it. Good morning, preacher. I just want you to know that our family is very pleased with the direction the Lord is leading with our church and where our focus needs to be. We're excited about the messages. God really started working on us about two years ago. Praise the Lord. He uses difficult times to pull us closer to him if we'll let him. During that time, we really walked with God and relied on him like we never have before. We realized our focus was more on man, rules, and rituals, and not on him. About six months ago, God really confirmed for us that our focus and concern needed to be on our relationship with him and not looking the part that man expected. I didn't want to be a superficial Christian. I didn't want to be a fake anymore. 
I decided I was going to be the real me. Inside and out, not worried about what anyone except God thought about it. My primary focus was shifted to loving God, praising Him, and trusting Him in all things. I'd been too wrapped up in the do's and don'ts and not a true relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I had the head knowledge, and finally, I allowed God to, God to begin to work on my heart. I know you know that I've been through many hurts and disappointments the last few years. At times, they seemed unbearable. The thing that kept me going was that I did not want any of these many circumstances to get me to turn away from God. I really began looking for the lessons that God was trying to teach me. I wasn't going to let circumstances let me quit church. Don't misunderstand me. I know more than ever that simply attending church does not equal a walk with God. That takes place 24 hours a day, not just on Sundays. So I constantly praise him for the many lessons he is teaching me. For a while now, we have had many discussions about what's really important to God. Standards are important and they have their place, but not when they become the primary focus. And definitely not when we judge our other person, personal choice of sta- judge each other's personal choice of standards. I remember a message when you talked about primary and secondary doctrine and what's really important. I left church that night and thought, I like the sound of that. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's been so refreshing to hear that. Praise the Lord. It was amazing to hear that God was impressing upon you the same thing he's been impressing upon us. We hope that we can learn together to be true Christians, a part of a more biblical church. God has opened our eyes to so much, especially in this last year. He has shown us the direction we need to go as a family and the direction we need our children. We are so thankful that God shook us and woke us up. Amen to that, sister. While we're still young, we have seen too many young people grow up in church, turn 18, and leave. I think they knew the rights and wrongs, but never had their own relationship with God. They were relying on someone else's relationship or were simply going through the motions. I think some have seen hypocrisy, deciding that they must be how Christianity is and decided they don't want to be a part of that. Our desire is to simplify things for our kids. Just focus on loving God with all your heart. We're learning to do the same. Too often we complicate Christianity with too many rules. I've really begun to study on my own how to love God. I'm convinced that when we love him we sh- like we should, everything else will fall into place. We will behave, talk, praise, and love him like he wants us to. It's impossible to do right and wrong at the same time. It almost seems like it can't be that simple. It has to be. If God didn't complicate salvation, then he didn't complicate how to live the Christian life. Man did that. We've been able to praise God for everything. For without all these difficulties, we would have never, we would not have learned all that we could have. I could go on a lot longer and probably preach a sermon or two. But I think you know where I'm coming from. We look forward to what God has for us as we begin to serve him and and only him. And we look forward to the future of serving in Gospel Light Baptist Church. We love our church sincerely. And they put their names there. I wanted to read you that because I just want you to know, it encouraged me to know I'm not the only one that God's been just shaking and and just changing and, and, and making me into what he wants me to be and, and, and not to, to what some tradition says or, or what some little book says that I was handed at college and I'm not against those things. But listen, folks, this is the book. This is the only book we're to live by. And that's why we call this, you know, uh, to become a more biblical church, a biblical model of a New Testament church. And so it seems with every message in this series, the trend is this, step it up, step it up, step it up. Let's step it up, church. Why? Because Christ loves the church. And I believe it is worth committing ourselves to in a stronger, deeper way. It's worth sacrificing for our church. Let's continue to move as a church to being an army, an army of servants with with the, 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 the word of God all a part of our mission. And we commit ourselves 
two gospelites. So where do we start? Here's the invitation. You ready? Here's the invitation. Where do we start? And I'm done. Number one, I want you to identify one step to more fully develop the character of a servant in the church. You say, well, where do I find those character qualities? First Timothy chapter 3. Pick one and start working on it. You've got the list in front of you. I don't have to give you the list. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, right? Verses 1 through 13. The first seven are for elders. And, and 8 through 13 is for deacons. Pick one of those and say, God, I'm going to work on that. Work on that for a couple of weeks. And then pick another one and work on that. And start working on these qualities that God says we all need to have. Number two, and I'm done. Identify one step. Isn't it good when I say one? You're like, okay, I can do one. I can do one. One step that you can take to more fully obey the command to be a servant in the church. One step. One step. That's a command to serve in your church. What are you doing? Are you serving? Is there an area that you serve in that you have to be faithful to, that you have to show up to every week, and if you don't get it, do it, it won't get done. Do you have that? Is that is, is, can you identify that at Gospelite? If not, here's what I'm asking. Would you please take one step closer to getting there? It might be a phone call. Hello, this is Erica Pacey. You got anything for me to do? I've only got 30 minutes this week. I know, I know Mo asked for an hour, but I, I can only give 30 minutes this month. But I'll give 30 minutes. You just took a step. You just took a step. Amen? You say, well, it's not a very big one. I didn't ask for a big one. Just take one little step. Just one little baby step towards becoming a servant in the church. You say, well, right now, preacher, I just show up on Sundays. Thank you. There's more required of you as a church member. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody who's a church member, a voting member of our church, should feel as if they don't have to serve. To me, why be a member of a church you don't want to serve in? Amen. Pray about it. Take one step. That's the message. I'm all done. And so today we come to the invitation. I'd like to ask our pastors to come forward, our worship team, if they would, to come. We're going to sing, Calvary covers it all. Amen. Calvary covers it all, because it does. It covers it all. In just a moment, we're going to stand, and I want to ask you something, church. Listen, are you prepared right now to take that step, that step towards service, that step towards character? Some of you right here, listen, some of you are discouraged, wondering, I just don't know if I measure up. (laughs) That's the devil. Don't believe him. Decide today you're going to begin that journey, the journey of becoming more Christ-like. The journey of becoming more obedient to the scriptures when it comes to serving. And then maybe there's someone here today that's never been covered by that cleansing flow that we're going to sing about. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ. It takes away our sins when we trust in Calvary. And if you're here today, Brother Butch mentioned God wants to, God wants to save you today. He wants to draw you to him. We've lifted his name up. Is he drawing you today? Are you? Do you feel a tug on your heart? Do you feel God coming to you this morning and saying, today is the day? Well, listen, if that's you, please come. That's why Doug's here. That's why Charlie's here. That's why Butch is here. These, these men are here to talk with you about that, to pray with you about that, to find out where your needs are, what level you're at in your spiritual life we want to talk to you we do we care about you please don't hesitate to come please father we love you we're going to stand we're going to
sing. We're going to do this invitation and ask you, God, to move and to change us and to save those that need to be saved. Lord, the altars are open. Our hearts are open. Please, God, do the work now. In Jesus' name.